Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hooting, back with my co-host, Christian Conway. An absolutely wild Saturday night, huh? Well, once again, LA Galaxy played a must-win game, got a draw, and yet, as Christian was telling me right before we hit record, only one team in the West has qualified for playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the West this year is is kind of... <laughs> It's funny because I I operate in NWSL circles and it was something like there was uh, after this weekend in NWSL, there were 729 different combinations of results that would have resulted in like 729 different results. It kind of feels like that for the Western Conference for the Galaxy. But this this one hurt. I mean, they were up three, two at half time. They were the better team in the second half at times. This one's going to sting. Um, I, I, I do think. Now, the numbers don't back up what the eye test tells me, which was, you know, I mean, expected goals was 0.8 and Portland only had 1.6. So this was kind of one of those games that just happens where chaos reigns. But again, another game where the Galaxy, you know, go down an early goal, you know, give up another goal due to the fact that they can't defend in transition. But they show resilience and they show resolve and they show an ability to fight their way through a game. Again, we've talked about this multiple times. There's two factors here. The Galaxy don't turn in a 90-minute performance. And we're seeing that resilience and that resolve when they like have to show it. And they're not getting wins out of it. That's the issue here. I think, you know, honestly, look, I mean, let's point to the good stuff first. And then we'll, we'll kind of dive into the bad stuff. I mean, Eric Zabaleta with probably the game of his life. I mean, the weirdest hat trick I've ever seen. Um, you know, they they... they Attacked well off the left-hand side. Raheem Edwards got into the attacking third every single time. They leveraged really well. I mean, they moved the ball well through midfield without Rikwi Pooch, who I think this game might have been the, okay, we're going to shut him down for the rest of the year game. Um, I, I just, it's one of those draws that just feels like a loss. I think, you know, when we when we got to 3-2 at halftime, I, I remember being in the box in 121 and i remember you know hugging randy and so it was like this is it like we, we're going to the playoffs and then they concede what i mean it was just one of those galaxy goals this year right where just the galaxy concede goals where you're just thinking to yourself how and i don't know i, I don't know how you feel about it and and i'd like to hear kind of your thoughts on it but i felt when i was leaving the stadium i was like okay yeah it's a point and it keeps them mathematically alive and we talked about you know if they go three wins, two draws through this window of five games, then, you know, reasonably I can see the playoffs being a thing. But this one felt different. Like this one felt like, I think a lot of people had that moment where they were like, yeah, it, it it's kind of over at this point in time. Well, that is what's hard is that it's not over. Like there's a part of me that was like the galaxy should just mathematically be eliminated. Let's put ourselves out of our misery and let's go ahead and focus on next season, right? But yet this season drags on and, you know, there's a lot to be proud of with this team. Like, I don't want to just throw this season under the rug. You know, I don't want to sweep these guys away. I think that there's a lot to say about the heart of this team. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you're frustrated. So you, so you turn the game off. I keep seeing so many fans say, and I don't blame them. 
but they turn it off. And then the Galaxy score goals. And then, yes, in the 70th minute, when you have... This is where I blame Vanny on the subs timing and who he brought in. So how do you expect realistically for those guys to hold on for 70 minutes? Like they're not totally to blame. You're if you've been watching this season, it's pretty predictable at this point. The fact that Galaxy got a draw at home after leading up until the 70th minute, yeah, then you already know by now that this this was going to happen. And yet the Wild Wild West persists. So the Galaxy, unfortunately, did go back to 13th place. This was a chance where all of the games, the other MLS matches worked out in the Galaxy's favor, and yet they couldn't pull those much-needed three points and then you're looking at the table they're not that far back still and it's just it's the same thing over and over again you know um how how i feel about it is i mean i think it's just frustration um you know it's like where do you who do you hold accountable and this is honestly, and I hate to keep talking about LAFC, but this is why you have a lot of fans that went over to that team. Now, 25 years from now, we're going to see which team is still standing and how many, you know, fans are, are real fans. Like they can really say they're as diehard as Galaxy fans are. Because like personally, like, look, LAFC just dropped back down the fifth place. If that team isn't winning, we have yet to see how loyal those fans are. But I bring that up because this is the reality for the Galaxy, that they want to stay relevant. It's more than just winning this season. It's more than who they're signing, what big name is going to fill the seats and the stands. This is a legacy that they're they're fighting for and i and that's what i that's what i feel is so hard and i think that's why everybody's taking everything to heart and that's why we feel so strongly about a draw yeah and i think you you kind of put it in a lot of better words than i could um it's it's that one was a tough one and i think you know you look at the passing network map i i'm, <laughs> I'm prepping a graphic for for the twitterverse um, there's a massive hole in the center of midfield. And I wonder, I just wonder who that player should have been to fill that hole, right? Like Mark Delgado is not a 10 guys. Like we, we that experiment we, we learned um, on, on that night against Portland is, is not the answer. No, I will say there were, there were moments where I think the galaxy looked incredibly good. You know, obviously Douglas Costa with two assists and probably one of the goals of the season, you know, that is, that is a very big deal. And I, and I think, you know, the fact that they were able to get downhill with Raheem Edwards working really hard. And and then, you know, you had Maya Yoshida with the opportunities he had in the 54th minute, like they created a lot of high percentage chances. They, they, they worked hard. They were smart. They did what they needed to do, but it's the first time all season I've seen them lose the goal, the goals map race. Like it's the first time I've seen them kind of get cowed in, in a way that I, I'm like, 
I think this is a broken team right now. Now, is this clearly a team that's reliant on one player? It kind of is. Um, but I, I do think there are things Pooge, here. right? You're talking oh, about course. Ricky Pooge or or Douglas Costa, let's be honest, too. When well, Pooge I mean, I, couldn't be there, that's who I thought Costa was going to be. Well, no, I, and I mean, with Douglas Costa, I mean, he's revived his career here in L.A. Like, I mean, it's it's been very impressive. I, I think there is a little bit of an outside impetuous there, but... I think with 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 Ricky, I mean, everything goes through him, right? Like we've we've known this for a bit. I, 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 you know, the shape just looked so lost at times. Like, and it didn't look lost in a sense of we don't know tactically what the plan is. It was more a sense of we don't believe tactically we know what we're doing. And and I know that sounds like kind of really subtle, but at times just they were so out to see on transition defense, so out to see in the attacking third, so out to see on so many things. I mean, Billy Sharp yelling at people to just figure it out. Like, I mean, like that was happening. And and I just, I just it it was one of those performances we and, and again, if you go in our back catalog this year, we we talked about a lot of these performances where the galaxy would just look limp and lifeless and no one really knew what to do. And it really did look at a lot of times where they didn't know what to do. And I mean, the passing network map supports it. You know, the, the, the positional map support it. All of that supports it. It supports a shape that got broken and I'll give Portland a ton of credit. And like, let's, let's not pretend we played, you know, some USL side that's, you know, at the bottom of the table in that league. Like they played a team that's railed off five wins in their past six. Like they are, on fire they are the toughest team to play in MLS right now and and Portland showed them I mean Portland was not going to lose that game like that was very clear Felipe Mora was fantastic on the evening and you had a couple of other players in Portland that I think were really involved but it's just it's constantly I I don't know what it is but it there there's I can understand where Vanny is coming from where I think he's got a tactical ideology that I can kind of understand and I can kind of get after and then the players don't seem to understand it in the same way. And I think we saw a lot of that disconnect on Saturday night because we saw a ton of just misplaced passes in midfield. We saw, you know, a ton of just kind of, I mean, 82% passing accuracy. That's not numbers I like, but I mean, you know, normally we like to be humming around the 89% kind of number. It just, I mean, they were, I mean, I, it felt plotting at times. Like it just felt slow and like they were running through molasses and it it did feel like, you know, this is a team that's kind of understood its fate and, you know, is, is, is going to go peacefully into that good night. But they, but they don't, that's the thing. They, they keep fighting and I'm glad for that. Um, Part, part of the reason I think the scoreline was three, three is because we have to say it. Bond is Bingham 2.0. Like it was like battle of the keepers at one moment of like this was always gonna be like a three plus goal game because both of these guys, that's what they do, you know? I and might, I, yeah, I might have called I might have called goals in our preview show if just to be vindicated. Um the other issue is they don't play transition defense. Like if you look at all the goals they conceded outside of the third goal, which was kind of a bit of a weird defensive error, they just 
the handoffs between players are are just not there. They they just don't play transition defense. So the Galaxy have a game Wednesday. And looking ahead once again as well, Saturday. So Christian and I are going to record another episode for y'all next Thursday. So looking ahead, Wednesday is the Seattle Sounders. And then you have Minnesota. Minnesota, a beatable team. I would even argue the Sounders are a beatable team, right? This is where the Galaxy can pick up six points. Yes, being away, especially at the Sounders Stadium, is super hard to do. But honestly, the Sounders are set up there on their table. It's the Galaxy that has something to lose. It's the Galaxy who has something to gain. Like the galaxy just have to go over there and get those three points. Each. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so when I, I, I wanted to kind of clarify a point I just made a little bit ago about transition defense, which is when we're talking about transition defense, we're talking about when a player advances from the forward line to the midfield line, to the defensive line in terms of your press. Right. So when a player breaks that forward line, the forward who's pressing that attacker has to realize, okay, I have to hand this off to the midfielder to then would theoretically harry the, the the attacking player. If that line gets broken, the midfielder then has to throw it to the defender and say like, look, you've got to stop this guy. The problem with the Galaxy is that they don't have those. So in a, in a well-working team, those switch-offs happen either very naturally or there's a lot of vocal cues that basically you can tell, all right, they're talking well, you know, so for example, the defensive midfielder, if he gets beat, he's yelling at a center back, like, hey, you've got to get this guy, you know, or if the forward gets beat on the first line of aggression, he yells to his defensive midfielder, hey, like, you got to get this guy. And, and then that's kind of how, when I talk about transition defense, that's kind of what I mean. The problem is the two teams they play are incredibly good at moving the ball and line breaking passes. What does that mean? That means the LA Galaxy, which we all know for the past, I don't know, three years, we've known the secret is if you want to beat the LA Galaxy, you put a 10 on the Galaxy defensive midfielder and just have them ping line-breaking crosses, passes, whatever it might be, all night long. I'm worried about that, right? Now, Seattle is gettable. Seattle is in kind of a bit of a vulnerable shape right now. They're not as good as Seattle of old. I think, you know, you look at the likes of, um, you know, Rui Diaz and, and, and all those kind of fearsome names. Lodero and all the rest of them, they've taken a step back. Like they've, they've regressed to the mean. They've also regressed to their ages. Like they are a little bit old, a little bit injured, a little bit beat up. You know, they managed a nil nil draw against Nashville last week. Um, That game, I will tell you was probably one of the most boring games I've ever seen. Um, And so you would think that going up to Seattle, this is probably the best time to take Seattle on. The issue is Minnesota. Minnesota is battling and it's Adrian Heath and Adrian Heath, who is a coach that he does not know when he's beaten. He knows only how to just completely battle every single game. He's an incredibly determined guy and they're three points off the line. Now, I think midweek when we see how a lot of the midweek results go, because most teams are playing midweek, if I am correct, let me check the schedule real quick. Yeah. So everyone plays midweek. The games the Galaxy have to watch outside of the Seattle game is Dallas, Colorado, 
and Minnesota and LAFC. Because if Colorado somehow, I don't know how they would do it, but if somehow they get a result against Dallas, then all of a sudden all eyes turn to Minnesota. Because if LAFC, if Minnesota beats LAFC, then all of a sudden Minnesota just completely breaks this thing open. The Galaxy can get away with a draw against Seattle. I firmly believe that. I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm pointing to my two draw, three win analogy here that I talked about last week. I don't feel good about it because I banked a lot of what I was thinking about, about getting three points against Portland, which we did not do. But if they can get a point against Seattle in Seattle, that's a good point. That's a credible point. It shows that they are competitive. That Minnesota game could be the season definer. We could we we could be recording next Thursday talking about, you know, two dead robber games on the 14th and the 21st, or we could be talking about a team that is competitive that might actually have a shot at this thing. Six points out of this road trip would, I mean, it would be beautiful. It would be truly beautiful. But I, I do think there are, I think the two teams they play are vulnerable enough. You know, I've seen enough from Seattle this year that I think they're a good team, not a great team. And I've seen enough from Minnesota that I think they're a mm, team, not a great team. Um, that I, I do think the Galaxy, when they are at their best, will be able to take them on. But they're going to have to really buckle down and really get this thing going because I mean time is short and we don't yeah like we don't got a lot right now going on and I think the the other big kind of meta story right now is is Riku Pooch like where's he at you know yeah 100% everything that you were saying I am so tired of hearing the commentators say that we have a game in hand still when no, we don't. Not so when that, you're like, well, that, I don't think so. Go for it. That game in hand comes on Wednesday night. So we theoretically still have a game in hand until Wednesday night. And then at that point, it's we're on the same footing as everyone else. Thank you for that. Because I just felt mathematically frustrated. I felt. Look, I love this Galaxy team. We don't do predictions on this show. But I do think it is going to come down to decision day. You're going to watch the Galaxy the rest of this month. Pull the points that they need to pull out of their magician hat. Because this team does have what it takes. Okay. I saw a tweet saying, oh, you would have to be a terrible team in MLS to miss the playoffs. Like, truly terrible. So either the Galaxy are incredibly, truly, indubitably terrible as everybody criticizes them for and or you're going to watch MLS, MLS, and this team on decision day is going to be like every decision day for the last at least three years. And I know we all try to be a goldfish and all this stuff as sports fans, but I really think it's going to come down to decision day for this team. Yeah. And, once again. And, and decision day is actually kind of favorable for the Galaxy because they get Dallas, and I think Dallas struggles defensively and struggles especially applying midfield pressure. Um, which for the first time in what, because I mean, we're talking about 2018, we're talking about what, 2021, where the Galaxy went into decision day matchups where maybe they had a little bit of a worse matchup than what I'm looking at, you know, for that game. Now, I will say if, if you want a doomsday stat, 
Raul Roy Diaz has scored nine goals in his 10 regular season games against the Galaxy, tied for most against a single MLS team. So if you are a gambling man, I would say Raul Roy Diaz to score against the Galaxy is a eh, fair bet. Uh, but the Galaxy, if they get a result against Seattle, it starts to feel a little bit better. And I and 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 the thing is, it's funny because I was musing to a friend and I said, if we get these results, right, where they they battle as hard as they can and, you know, they show the heart they're showing, the fight they're showing, the intensity, the, you know, whatever word you want to use in the beginning of the season, but they're not getting results. We're like, okay, cool. There's like, you know, 30 weeks to figure it out. The problem is they're getting these performances at the end of the year when they needed these at the beginning of the year. Right. And that's where I get my frustration about this team. Um, that being said, this is a good team. Like the galaxy are a good team. Like we need to contemplate that fact. The West is a horror show right now. Like it is a, as I said last week, it is a bar fight where, you know, we're breaking bar stools over people's backs at this point in time. Like, you know, strap in kiddos. It's not going to be fun. Um, but I do agree with you that I think if they come out of this week with, I'd say four points, then we talk about decision day being the day that everything gets decided. Now, I think they do have a pretty favorable game against RSL on the 14th. I think they can they can work with that. RSL is probably going to look at their positioning, look at everything and and look at everything around them and say, you know, honestly, we probably should start resting players. We should probably get ready for the playoffs because, I mean, they're second in the conference. And, I mean, there's no way they're going to catch St. Louis, obviously, because they just clinched the Western Conference. And looking at the line, I mean, they'll probably have a home game no matter what. So you might start planning to rest. And therefore, maybe we get a little lucky in terms of squad rotation on the 14th. But I would say, if you are a Galaxy fan listening to this podcast, this week will tell you if we make the playoffs or not. And if I, we don't do predictions on the show, I am cautiously optimistic, but I am also very, very nervous going into this week. Well, we ever maintain the optimism here. So like I've already said, I truly think this team will somehow make it to decision day. So, uh, yeah, let's let's be safe. Let's have fun. I know you said it's not going to be all that fun, Christian, but I mean, as a Galaxy fan, you go through the roller coaster of emotions, and hey, who needs to do drugs when the Galaxy puts you through that? I, so to, to, to quickly quick go to that point, I, I I I will say this week is going to be the same as uh, the famous uh, quote or uh, tweet that's about the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in hockey, which is why do drugs when you can just uh, or <laughs> Uh, why snort cocaine and ride a motorcycle off a helicopter when you could just watch the Stanley Cup playoffs? I feel that's kind of the same about this week for the Galaxy, where we're going to be bricking it every single minute. Um, but uh, I, I quickly would like to uh, bring up some some NWSL business, if I may. Uh, San Diego is top of the table with a very good shot at winning the Shield. So I'm just saying, Angel City FC fans, must be nice looking up. <laughs> We're always looking up, Christian. <laughs> but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much again, everybody. And yeah, we'll have to see how everything pans out. And we'll be here next week. We will see you next week, hopefully with uh, Brighter Skies. <laughs>